You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of The 30. We did change up the name going into the new season. So obviously now with the Sixers taking on the Celtics on Tuesday to kick off the 2022-23 campaign, we figured why not make some changes ourselves. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out online at libertyballers.com. One of the men behind the magic you see at Liberty Ballers well. Paul, do we call you the man behind the magic we see at Liberty <laughs> Ballers? Or are you one of the people behind the magic that we see there? Yeah, you know, um, I'm not the type of person who likes to, you know, uh, toot my own horn. So I'm, I am not, go- I will not tell you what to call me. You can uh, decide uh, amongst yourself what, what you would like to call me. If you want to call me the man behind it, please feel free, but you do not have to do that. Well, there's many things I could call you, Paul. I don't think I should be doing them <laughs> on air. So, uh, you know, what? We'll, we'll save those for, we'll save those for another time. Um, let's jump into it. Like I mentioned, the games are finally starting to count again. The Sixers haven't played basically since May when they lost in game six to the Miami Heat. Made a ton of changes over the offseason. People are excited, obviously, getting a dog like P.J. Tucker, bringing in DeAnthony Melton, who I've liked so far in the preseason, seeing what else that they're bringing in with Daniel House and looking at the new rotation where guys like Furkan Korkmaz, guys like Matisse Thybul are now sitting at the end of the bench. So we know that this Sixers team is going to be deeper. Of course, there's always a ton of variables that go into an NBA season. Uh, when you're looking at the expectations for this Philly squad, and Paul, by the way, you're going to be talking about this with Sheamus on Tuesday, but it's been a great, great week overall for Philly sports. You got the yes. Phillies in the, in the in the NLCS uh, that's coming up, I believe, on Tuesday is game one there. Uh, the Eagles obviously beating the division rival Cowboys. Eagles are undefeated, the last remaining undefeated team, and now you got this loaded Sixer squad getting set for what people are looking at as. They are a legitimate contender. The when Flyers are 2-0 and too, Jazz. Jeez, you're Canadian. Hey, they beat, they beat my Canucks. They beat my Canucks. That's why I didn't <laughs> want to discuss it. Even though Vancouver was up 2 to nothing, I did see that, and I was not happy about that either. But I hope the Flyers stink the rest of the season. They will. On. Don't worry. <laughs> but when we're talking about the, the, the Sixers here, um, and again, you know, we, we've, we've, we've really discussed it a lot on the podcast network. I know you've written about it on the, on the website as of other contributors. The Tyrese Maxey factor, too. There's He's becoming basically the Prince of Philadelphia. Uh, mm. All the good vibes going into game one coming up on Tuesday. How are you feeling as a Philly diehard guy? Well, that's the thing. I, I don't know if I can get like I'm probably going to be way too optimistic on this podcast because I am still riding high. I, I really am. I mean, it's the Phillies had not been in the postseason since 2011. And Jazz, like to paint a picture for you, it was. That era of Phillies baseball was it was like the greatest era of Philly sports for me in, in general, I, I think, because I was born in 1985. The last championship in Philadelphia was 1983. 
until the Phillies won in 2008. So, like, I'm mm-hmm. always going to have an affinity for that team and what they did and how good they were. Homegrown guys, too. Like, so I think that's a big part of it, too. So I'm still very much riding high from that. And, of course, the Eagles being 6-0, and which is just crazy. Um, we all thought they were going to be good. I, I'm not sure anyone thought 6-0 and to start the season good, but here we are. So, yeah, uh, we're all riding high here in Philadelphia. And uh, there's like a part of me that thinks like, ah, the Sixers can keep this going. But then there's another part of me is like, man, the Sixers might drop the first two games. <laughs> completely feel the vibes, um, which would listen. No one should panic if they do, because the reality is you, you mentioned off the top. So many new pieces. They have a lot of things they got to figure out. Like, it's not going to all come together overnight. The Boston Celtics are a team. Coming off and uh, you know winning the Eastern Conference, playing in the finals, and really returning pretty much the same team. Obviously, the head coach situation's a mess. You know, Robert Williams unfortunately is going to miss the start of the season. He's a hell of a player and a big part of what they what they were able to accomplish last year. But still, they have two of the most dynamic wings in the NBA with Tatum and, and um, Jalen Brown. They have the the reigning defensive player of the year and Marcus Smart, and they add to that a guy in Malcolm Brogdon who's going to be their sixth man, who is a hell of a basketball player. So I say all that not to make an excuse for the Sixers, but to just say if if it doesn't go phenomenally from the start, no one should panic. This team has a lot of things to figure out. Yes, they've added pieces, uh, very good fitting pieces that are very good basketball players that are going to help this team a great deal. But you have a new addition to the starting lineup of P.J. Tucker. We got to see how that's going to work out. I'm P.J. is P.J. I mean, he's like the most, you know, malleable player in the NBA where he could just fit into basically any role and help a team out. Cause he'll do anything. He'll do whatever it takes, but you have a D'Anthony Melton. Who you're going to have to figure out where he kind of fits in the second unit. Same for Daniel house, same for Montrez, Harold and Paul Reed in that situation where, where that looks like it's going to be pretty fluid. Um, and it's, I think what's most exciting jazz is when you're just looking at the Sixers, you, you reference guys like Matisse, Thibault, Furcock, Korkmaz who were mainstays in, in this rotation for years. They're not they're not in the rotation from night one. Like they're not gonna play on opening night, you wouldn't think. Like they are the eleventh and twelfth men firmly. Um it, it's the five starters. It's you know, the guys I mentioned, Melton House and either Harold or Reed, whoever does the backup center uh, duties, George Niang. And then maybe you might see a little bit of Shake Milton sprinkled in, but even Shake Milton is a guy who's played a huge role for this team at times. Mm-hmm. Now those guys are all at the back end of the rotation. This is a deep, deep basketball team. So there's plenty to be excited about, plenty of reasons for optimism for the season. I just want to temper everyone for game one in case it doesn't look as pretty as maybe everyone would like. Um, because this is a boss that has played together. These guys have been together for years, so there, there is some cohesion there. Uh, but I expect a, a hard-fought, tough game on, on opening night. Uh, I expect a, a better version of James Harden than the last one we saw. I think Joel Embiid is going to take a little bit to get his legs. I mean, we saw that last year. He kind of got off, like for like a week, <laughs> got off to a slow start um, <laughs> and then was a monster for the rest of the season. But I think it does take him a little bit of time to get in proper NBA shape because he is a large human who does things that large humans shouldn't be doing. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, I, I expect him to just carry it right over from the preseason where he was sensational. I'm definitely excited to see Tobias Harris and see kind of where he is. He, he did such a great job adjusting his role last season. So I, I think if anything, you need to look, it, it's more, of course you want them to win, but it's more process than results, at least for the first, you know, little bit here for the first stretch, you want to see them figure some things out. You want to see some lineup stuff work, some guys develop some chemistry. 
Um, and I think Doc's going to tinker with some things to start off because you, you don't know who's going to play well together, right? Like you don't know how that's all going to work. I, I certainly see there's something there with Maxi and, and Melton. I think they have a little bit of something going together. Um, I love the idea of James Harden and Montrez Harold playing together because of Harold's ability to roll. You know, there, there's, there's some things that you're going to need to see. And so I, I think the first few weeks are going to be about chemistry and building that and Doc experimenting with the pieces and seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I, I think that's where, again, we talk about all the good vibes in the city. I think people got to look at this right on the app. The Sixers might not start off 10 and 0. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I think that that's where it, it is going to be a, a key for this squad. Because I, I, I've said this before, too, going into opening night, I'm not looking for the Sixers to be super smooth and have it all together. Like you said, like the chemistry, the cohesion, that takes time to build. And teams like the Celtics, teams like the Bucks in the East, uh, teams like Miami now, they're going to get continuity because they're bringing back really not just their core pieces, but a lot of their depth guys too, which is obviously, as I mentioned off the top of the pod, the Sixers aren't doing that. But for me, I think I want to see them come out with intensity. Do you get what I mean? Like, you don't have to be, don't have to look perfect in terms of the offense is flowing smoothly, the defensive rotations, everything's on point, but they come out to try and make a statement against the team that was in the NBA finals last year. And a lot of people are picking to come out of the East again this season in the Boston Celtics. But I wanted to get your opinion on this, Paul, because You've been around the team. Obviously, you covered them um, a lot last season, also in your previous role with NBC Sports Philadelphia. But now, you know, you're around the team. You're at training camp. You're getting to go to practices, games, when they have media availabilities. Is there any difference that you're noticing between last season and this season in terms of just the confidence with the guys? That's a good question. I, I, I'm not sure that I sense anything more confidence-wise. I'll say there's a little bit more of a business approach um but not in a bit like i think there's still mm -hmm. a looseness there too and i think like a guy like tyrus max really helps that because of his personality and um guys like paul reed who, who's also a very fun player to to interview and be around a guy like Montrez harrell is a lot of fun to be around so i think but then you look at a guy like a pj tucker who pj tucker means businessman um that's not a guy you want to mess with like right that's that's yeah. one of the toughest dudes in the entire nba and i think that's going to be the guy to me that's maybe the separate, like PJ Tucker's not a star player. It, it's, um, I, I want to bring up like it, kind of a comparison to the other, the Philadelphia sports teams. And Steve Littman wrote a really interesting piece where he kind of compared uh, across the three teams, the, the, the Sixers, the Phillies and the Eagles, a kind of a player from each team. And like, what are their kind of, you know, the, the, the guys they most resemble. And with Tucker, he said, AJ Brown for the Eagles. And he said, Kyle Schwarber for the Phillies. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was perfect. Now, listen, A.J. Brown's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's proving that every week. He's been outstanding for them. Kyle Schwarber is the NL home run champ. Like, he had a borderline MVP-type season. P.J. Tucker's not that guy, right? Like, he's not a star. But I liked it from the standpoint of, for lack of a better term, when shit hits the fan, P.J. Tucker is going to be the guy that gets these guys on the straight and narrow, right? Like, he's going to be the guy that says, all right, we're not doing what we need to be doing. What you already talked about with... They need to show that toughness, that intensity from day one. And I think PJ Tucker is the guy on the court that's going to make sure that everyone is showing that. And, and I and it trickles down too when you have a, a guy like Melton and a guy like House who play like that. They just play 100 miles an hour. We even saw it in the preseason, the way those guys play and the intensity mm -hmm. they play with. Um, and Harold even. Harold was playing. The, the I went to the blue and white scrimmage in Delaware. Montrell Harold's playing it like it's game seven of the NBA finals. Like that's how <laughs> these guys are. But you need guys like that. You need guys that kind of that kind of push everybody else 
and make everyone else better. And I think they have more of that this year. I think the competition is a great thing. Like I already mentioned with, you know, with, with some guys, maybe not getting a first crack in the rotations. So now when Thibault or Corkmans have to play, they're going to be hungry because they're not getting the, the, the minutes they got in the past. So they're going to, they're going to want to show out. They're going to want to play hard and do things the right way. Every time they're out there to try to earn minutes for the next time. So, yeah. And that's so I think all of those things, though. right. Sorry to cut you off. That was, that was no. what was missing last oh, 100%. year. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. Like, that's, that's what I mean. It's like those guys now that you mentioned, we mentioned Ferk and Matisse Stiebel who were coming off and maybe, you know, George Niang was, I think the fact of six man last year. So those guys might have been seven and eight. Now they're ten, nine and 10 and 11. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's going to be the difference with this squad. Yeah, depth. I mean, depth is is a big is is the biggest factor. And when we look back on why the Sixers lost, sure, uh, Joel Embiid's injury, huge part of it. Uh, James Harden not being consistently at the highest level they needed him to be, certainly, definitely a big part of why they struggled. A big part of it is kind of what you already mentioned. Like George Yang was their sixth man, and with all due respect to George Yang, who was actually great in that role during the regular season. You cannot be a championship contender with George Yang as your sixth man. And I think George Yang would admit that. Um, he's a very self-aware man. I think he would even say, we're a better team now, right? Like now yeah. you have Melton and House as your as your top guys off the bench. Um, you have Tucker who replaces essentially replaces Danny Green, who did Danny Green played, uh, you know, was was great for this team, played a great role. But I think you have to say that PJ Tucker's an upgrade over Danny Green at, the, at this stage in both of their careers. Um, so yeah, I think that added depth, that added toughness, that added competitiveness, all those things are, are going to be so helpful. And it's not necessarily going to be helpful in the regular season. Maybe at times, you know, when they're playing bad teams and guys have to rest or guys are, are banged up, it's going to be helpful to have that depth because you have players that can fill in admirably and play well and still win, you know, basketball games over bad teams. But it's really going to matter when the playoffs roll around and, you know, it, it's it's whatever it's it's game five and they're up three, one in the series and it's time to step on a team's throat. And PJ Tucker gets into guys and says, Hey, we need to finish this damn thing now. Like that's, that's when I think it's really going to make a big difference. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's where the, the, the leadership, the toughness, that was something that I'm not questioning guys like Joel Embiid and, and, and James Harden in terms Tobias Harris in terms of being the, the, the veteran presence, the the leaders on this squad. But when you bring those types of players in who have been there before, who have won championships, who have known their role on very good teams, I think that is what I'm looking forward to seeing with the Sixers. Uh, Paul, I want to jump into some predictions with you. Let's do that after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Paul, we are back. Let's get back into previewing the Sixers season. We've talked about the the big guns. We know that Joel Embiid likely going to be in the running for the for the uh, candidate to win MVP. James Harden, we're looking for him to get back to being that perennial all-star level guy in terms of being a setup man, being a, a scorer when needed. And we think Tyrese Maxey is going to ascend into being um, another step into being a star, right? Whether he's an all-star or not, I don't know if he does that this year. I definitely think he does it by next year, but I do think he's going to be right there. When you when you look 
at those three guys particularly, what are your expectations for Embiid, Harden, and, and, and Maxi this year? Well, I'll start with the two easy ones. Um, <laughs> Embiid and Maxi, uh, I think, are going to keep, like, like you kind of already mentioned, I think Embiid is going to be, you know, right there in the MVP race again. I think I see no reason why he won't play up to the same level and perhaps even better. Um, as we've seen the last couple of years, he just keeps kind of adding on to his game and, and getting better every offseason, which is scary for a guy who's been the runner up for MVP the last two seasons. Same with Tyrese Maxey. I, I think he is just going to go up another level. You know, you mentioned the all-star team. I'm not quite sure. Sh- I think he can do it this year, but when you look at the guards in the East, especially now Donovan Mitchell's in the East now, uh, there's a lot of guys who kind of already have their reputation who will get in, you know, not to say they don't deserve it, but they'll get in on merit, but they'll also get in because they put in the work they, they've been around. And I, I think there's like an, an adage that says guys typically make the all-star team a year after they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this, this could be the year that maybe Maxi has an all-star type season, but doesn't make the all-star game. Um, and then maybe next year's the year for him. Um, the trickiest one is definitely Harden because I, I maybe I'm looking at it optimistically, but I, I think a lot of his issues last year stem from health. I, I don't think yeah. he was healthy enough last year. And I think that's why it was inconsistent. And that's why some games he would look great and you'd be like, okay, this is James Harden. This is the guy I remember watching. Um, game six against the Raptors stands out to me. Game four against the Heat. Um, he just had these moments where it's like, okay, like this, that guy is still in there, um, but he just can't, he can't get out of there uh, consistently. So I really, uh, I'm really intrigued to see what he looks like to me. And, and I know Daryl Morey mentioned this. He was on uh, the rights to the Ricky Sanchez podcast. And he said like, they don't need James Harden to be Houston Harden. And they don't, they don't need him to be an MVP, right? They they yeah. need him to be, well, I say that, but like I'm going to say they, they needed to be more like his early days in Brooklyn, but his early days in Brooklyn, people were thinking he could win another MVP award because he was that good when he first got there. If he is a similar player to that, with Joel Embiid here as an MVP-type player, with Tyrese Maxey steadily improving, and I think you know fairly being asked to, 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 to shoulder more of the scoring load, there is a nice role for James Harden where he could be a point guard, maybe even lead the league in assists, and score, you know, 20 plus points a game and still have a really effective role in that regard. Um, yeah, I was really um, a couple points that I feel like were, were good in the preseason. That gave me a little bit of confidence. He shot the three ball very well and he shot the three ball off the catch very well, which was something, if you recall, Jazz, how many of those catch and shoot opportunities did he just swing one more time or hesitate on? You're like, what are you doing, man? Like fire away. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, he mentioned today uh, at practice, unfortunately I wasn't able to make it, but um, I did see at practice. He mentioned that he worked on that this offseason of catch and shoot threes. And you, you saw it in the preseason. There were many examples where the ball swung his way and he just fired without hesitation. I think that's going to be huge just to have a guy that's a capable three point shooter. When Joel Embiid gets double team, they, they can swing the ball to, and he can score. I thought there were a couple of drives too. And I know uh, Jackson Frank wrote a really good piece breaking down some of Harden's preseason games. And you saw a little bit more of that burst, a little bit more of that explosiveness going to the rim. Yeah. Again, not going to be that guy from the past, but I, I, I feel like he is going to be a much better player than when we last saw him. I think he's going to be a much more consistent player than the last time we saw him just because of health alone. And listen, here's the other thing, jazz. I was there for two of the preseason games, you know, the one against the Hornets, the one against the Cavs. James Harden still has gravity. 
the defense it gravitates towards him. There are five eyes, five sets of eyes on him every single time he has the ball in his hands. He is still a serious threat and considered as such on other teams' scouting reports. That alone, it's worth his weight in gold. So um, I, I think James Harden will have a profound impact on this team, but the proof's going to be in the pudding. And I, I'm really curious to see what he's going to look like. You know, open night's going to be as stiff as test as any, um, you know, going up against Marcus Smart. Um, and then, you know, it's not going to get any easier when he has to go up against Drew Holiday and the Bucks a couple of nights later at home. Oh, for sure. Again, those are those are two big games you want to start off with. You want to play against the best likely again. Don't know for sure yet, but going into the opening of the season, the experts and and the general consensus has been you got the Celtics, you got the Bucks and this the the, the Sixers and the Nets a little bit behind them. But those are the two big squads that everybody's looking at in the Eastern Conference. And again, what better way to start off the year? What better way for us to start the year? Right, too, Paul, because those are two big games. And we know that when we're talking about this stuff, the juices are flowing for Sixers fans. It actually makes it that much more exciting to cover the big games as opposed to taking on a San Antonio squad like they're going to be doing <laughs> on Saturday, which I will be doing the postgame pod for. Again, I'm not going to have the same type of juice to it, but no, I, I think that's right. where the difference comes in. I want to go over just some uh, predictions with you in terms of looking at the betting lines, the over-unders for, for the Sixers. Um, again, depending on, on which outlet you're using, if you're looking at DraftKings, the Sixers currently have the fourth best odds. You got the Clippers, the Celtics, and the Warriors at plus 600. For those of you who aren't gambling gambling junkies like me, that means <laughs> that if you'd pay $100 to, to win 600, if those teams win it, uh, the Nets coming in at plus 700, and then you got Milwaukee, Phoenix, so it's part of me, the, the Sixers, the fifth best, they're at plus 1,500. But giving them like a lot uh, basically double the odds of, of the Celtics and the Bucks. Do you think those are about right, Paul, when, you, when you're hearing that right now, considering that uh, odds makers have Brooklyn, Boston, and Milwaukee all ahead of, of, of Philly going into game one? I, I mean, Brooklyn's the one team, obviously, that I, I wouldn't place there, but I get why the betting public, why why DraftKings would put them there, right? Because, I mean, they have so much star power, and if they do ever figure out a way to put it together, uh, that that has a chance to be a, a very special basketball team when you're talking about two Hall of Fame perimeter players. Um, ben Simmons could fill a really nice role. He's still one of the best defensive players in the entire NBA. Uh, curious what his offensive role is going to look like and how all that's going to go. Uh, but and, and I think the Brooklyn Nets did some things to get make themselves better. Uh, you know, getting um, Royce O'Neal is a nice pickup. Mm -hmm. You know, if TJ Warren can be healthy, that that's a really intriguing guy for them to have off the bench. I like Nick Claxton as a young big. Again, curious how him and Simmons are going to play together, but that would be the only one I would have um, a, a, a qualm with. But at the same time, I, I get it from the standpoint of the betting public and what and why DraftKings would have them a, a little bit higher. But overall, I think the Sixers are probably just about where, where I'd expect them to be. What about uh, over under in the win totals? The Caesars Palace has Caesars Sportsbook. Part of me has the Sixers at fifty one and a half wins. What are you taking the over under on that one? Uh, I'm I'm punching the over. Um, I, I think they and I said this in our SB Nation predictions, and it's I admit it's bold as hell, but I think they can win 55 games this year because I think they are built for the regular season at a minimum. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know they have two star players, but even when if those two star players don't play, you're still gonna roll out Tyrese Maxey, you know Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker, uh, you know you, you still have all these good NBA players. And then as we already referenced, like you have a guy that's made two all defensive teams the last two years in Matisse Thibel that will only play in those situations. So to have a guy like that waiting in the wings, um, I think it just speaks to how deep this team is and how many games I, I think, I think in the regular season, 
they're going to win a lot of games. Um, and they have two viable backup center options in Harold and Paul Reed. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, PJ Tucker, who, uh, you know, they, they experimented a little bit with him at the five against Cleveland. There's, there are going to be opportunities for that lineup to work really, really well. So I'm intrigued by that too. So yeah, I, I'm punching the over on 51 and a half. All right, Paul, let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty now. Cause I want to, I want to get these for, for not just the Sixers, obviously, but the team that we cover, but looking around the NBA as a whole, let's start with the Western conference. We'll get back to the East in a second here. You're looking at the Western conference right now, warriors, defending champs, bringing back Steph Curry, bringing back, Clay Thompson bringing back teammate puncher uh, Draymond Green, uh, bringing back Jordan Poole despite all that. Again, I saw that, Paul. I don't know how you stood. I'm like, hey, whatever. Again, a kind of a sucker punch and kind of a cheap shot, but things happen. Crazy things happen at practice and inside locker rooms in uh, in team dynamics, especially in, in professional sports where some of those guys do have egos. And, and so, again, I, I wasn't that disappointed or upset by what I saw. But back to the on-court thing, when you look at who – are going to be the final four teams for you in the Western Conference going at it in the in the conference semifinals? That's tricky. I mean, certainly the Warriors will be right there. Um, again, I see no reason why why they wouldn't be, despite the drama. Um, they're just such a good team. I, I still think the Phoenix Suns are really damn good. Again, despite their drama with you know the whole mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton situation. Um, so I definitely think they'll be in the mix. The Grizzlies are only going to get better. They're so young. John Moran, if he takes another leap forward this year, we saw what he did last year. He was incredible. And, you know, for the fourth team, I'm going to have to say the Clippers. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to getting, uh, you know, a healthy Kawhi and a healthy Paul George, man, that roster is deep. They they might be the deepest team in the entire NBA. They bring on John Wall, who actually isn't going to start from the get-go, but I thought he showed some flashes where – he looked pretty damn good in the preseason. He had yeah, some man. moments where you're like, yep, that's yeah. Sean Wall. Um, he looked pretty good. So I imagine after, you know, him not playing basically for a year. And the, the other thing, too, to add to that, Jazz, like there's not going to be an easier player to root for in the NBA this year than John Wall after everything he's uh, really uh, for big things for him. But, yeah, I, I think the Clippers are, are going to be right there. I think they can be as good as anybody. I think they have a shot um, to come out of the Western Conference as well. Yeah, I, I like those squads too. But I, I, you know, while you were while you were kind of going over those teams, I, I, I'm with you. I like Golden State. I think Memphis going to take a yet another leap with with John Moran getting better. And I, honestly, the Grizzlies were right there to beat the Warriors last right. year in that in that series too. If if John doesn't get hurt, who knows how that turns out? But then you're looking at it too, like maybe the Mavericks are going to take a leap. The Pelicans are going to look a little bit better. The Denver Nuggets are getting back yeah. Michael Porter Jr. and and Jamal Murray. So I'm excited. But I I think I would go with. The Warriors, the Clippers for sure, because I, I, I'm super high on, on on them as well. Those are two teams. Then I'm going to go with Memphis, and I'm going to take I'm going to take Denver. I I, I do think Denver okay. is, no, is like going that. to yeah, and I I like what they're what they're doing with their with the roster, uh, bringing in a guy like KCP too, getting in some depth. I, I think that team is going to be is going to be a handful for anybody. But again, that Western Conference loaded, and the Eastern Conference. Uh, nothing to sneeze at either. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good teams in the East. So I'll ask you right now, who do you think are going to be the four teams in the, in the conference finals in the Eastern conference? Yeah, I, I, I pretty much like the same top four teams as last year. I, I think it's, it's Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Heat. I think those are the, the four teams um, out of those four teams. I think the Heat are the most vulnerable, you know, le- mm-hmm. losing PJ Tucker, but they still definitely have a, a pretty good amount of depth on that roster. And they still have Jimmy Butler and, they still have Bam Adebayo, who, you know, we're still kind of waiting for his offensive ascension, but he's already proven to be one of the best defensive players in the entire league. So that's still going to be a damn good team. But yeah, Brooklyn, if, if they can 
put it all together, maybe they could sneak in. I still think Cleveland's probably a year away, but man, that's that's a super exciting young. Yeah, they're scary. They're really that, scary. that team has. Oh yeah, they're going to be. Listen, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, and they are not going to be a fun out for whoever they no. like. If they're a six seed, and and you know, it, good luck if you're the three seed. That is not going to be a fun out to try to to try to dismantle that team. That's a good good basketball team. Um, other than that, you know, I see a lot of hype around the Hawks. Um. Maybe a little too much. I do think the Hawks are going to be better. I, I don't, yeah. you know, they didn't make the, you know, they, they were brutal last year. They, they, you know, got got into the play in and just weren't very good. I expect, I anticipate that they will be much better this year. Maybe they make like the seventh or eighth seed, you know, but I, I don't think they're going to be like a final team or anything, but um, I anticipate they'll improve. Um, yeah, but that, that really, I, I do. I think it's going to be the top four from last year. I think, I think they're going to sneak in again. I think. Boston, you know, outside of the coaching situation, I think you could argue they got better on paper with with adding Brogdon. Unfortunately, they add Gallinari, and he's already hurt. Um, and you know, once Robert Williams get, gets a little healthy, I think the Bucks. Once Middleton gets healthy, I think they're going to be right there again. They have arguably the best player on planet Earth in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Drew Holiday is, I think, still one of the most underrated players in the entire league. And then the Sixers, I think, are, you know, the Sixers were a top four team. And I don't think they were nearly as good as as this roster is right now. So, yeah, I, I like those four teams in the East. And it's gonna, you know, and because I look at that, Paul, with the with the Eastern Conference, uh, Brooklyn, as you mentioned, just the complete wild card in all this, right? Kevin Durant goes from I don't want to play for Sean Marks and Steve Nash again. <laughs> uh, Kyrie Irving, obviously, you know, opting into a one year deal and having the uncertainty, and obviously the Ben Simmons factor. And, but again, just with that level of talent that your top three players have. The, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a, a to- complete wild card. But uh, I think there's one thing that the Sixers have to try and take advantage of early because I think having home court, again, not imperative to win an NBA title, but will help. You would rather be at home for game seven against the Boston or Milwaukee uh, than being on the road. And I look at that, like you mentioned, no Robert Williams for the, for the Celtics for the first couple of months having to adjust to a new coach uh, after everything that happened with the Ime Odoka thing. And then you got the Bucs who will be without... Middleton for at least a couple of weeks we know for sure might even get towards a month but even at that time it's like take advantage of it win some games early pad a little bit of a lead at the top of the conference if you can and just try and go from there because like, you'd rather have people coming to Philly rather than the, the Sixers having to go travel uh to play a big game there uh let's wrap let's wrap up here Paul you're going to be back with with uh Seamus on uh on Tuesday doing uh your podcast on on the Philly sports scene what can we anticipate in that podcast and how has that been for you for two guys who are hardcore hardcore diehard philly fans what has the last couple of weeks been like for i know we talked about it uh, talked about a bit over the top of the podcast but just wanted to get your uh your your input on that (laughs) yeah i mean obviously we're going to be looking ahead to to philly's padres which i can't for the nlcs which i can't believe we're saying and talking about the eagles they're they're entering a bye week six and oh uh, certainly we're going to preview the opener as well and, and touch on the flyers who were two and zero somehow, some way. Thanks John Tortorella apparently. Um, but I think what's, you know, with this podcast, since we started it, we've been so apathetic about the Phillies because like, okay, cool. They're in a third wild card spot. And like, they weren't really playing that great. And you know, mm-hmm. we were just kind of waiting for the season to end. And the, the fan, like the, the the stadium, wasn't getting filled up. Really, people weren't showing up. Then they played like twenty games on the road, to, you know, to end the season. It feels like, and yeah, it's just such a different vibe. And to me, it started the night that they clinched. 
because yeah. that was just such a good vibe. Like they clinched in the champagne and they were all excited and it just it got you feeling good. It, it felt like those glory days that I referenced off the top, like yeah, yeah. all the like all the good teams and like, you know, seeing Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and those guys year after year being in the mix and pouring champagne on each other and all that, all that, all the fun they had. It just, it, it brought that all back. And so like I, the vibes to me started to turn there. I'm like, okay, I'm in like, let's go. They're going to beat the Cardinals in two. Let's go. And then they actually beat the Cardinals in two. Um, and then it's like, all right, we're going to beat the Braves. We're going to beat the Braves in three, beat them in four, but that's all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just think it, it, it went, like I said, from apathy to just complete and total bliss and excitement. And there's definitely a little bit of a house money factor in there because you're the lowest seed in the playoffs and still in it. Um, it's and it's cool right now, Jazz, because as you know, this is an Eagles town. Philadelphia mm-hmm. is an Eagles town. It is a football town. It has even with the Dallas Cowboys in town and the Eagles at six and zero. Oh, the Phillies vibes were so high over the last week, and they continue to be. And I think that's really cool when a, a team can almost take over the city for a little bit, um, while the, even the Eagles are playing great. Um, to just see the Phillies take it over for a moment, uh, I think that's been really cool. Yeah, you hear the joy in your voice, Paul, when you're talking about it, too. It it's must be there, fun. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I was out there when I went to Xfinity, <laughs> had a couple of beers, and just enjoyed the raucous crowd. But, no, oh, it's yeah, been man. fun, and 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 we're looking forward to uh, you and Seamus continuing to do your guys' thing on the podcast network. And like we mentioned, man, things are going to start mattering again tomorrow. We're looking forward to, to getting started at the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We have six new shows coming at you each week. Uh, also, I'm going to be launching some new stuff, doing some shorter shorter Sixers podcast we're really kind of honing in on what the coaches are talking about what the players are are talking about so those will start kind of coming out bleeding out next week and then we're going to be doing the Atlantic Division mixtape that'll be myself Adam Taylor of Celtics blog Chris Milholland of Nets Daily uh just kind of giving a whole perspective on what's going on in what is one of the best divisions in in the NBA so those will be launching on on Fridays as well again we're gonna have you covered don't forget to subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network you could do that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your fix. And, of course, as I mentioned, Paul, Steve Lipman, Dave Early, Jackson Frank, a ton of talented writers, also going to have you covered at LibertyBallers.com. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.